uh, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about some of the really hard scriptures that we find in, in scripture, uh, real, some of the really hard scriptures that we find in the Bible. And then we're going to talk about how we walk them out. And so as I had it down as scripture impossible, I heard the Lord say, And so I had to reword it and say scripture possible because God gives us the strength that we need, the ability that we need in order to walk out those scriptures. And so just to let you know, I'll give you forewarning. Next week, we're going to be talking about James 1, 2, my life verse, uh, which I forget the name of the author. I'll have his name next week. He said, it's the hardest scripture in the Bible. Consider it pure joy when you come into various trials. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what that means. And we'll talk about, uh, it just doesn't make sense, right? You're going to come into a hard time. You're going to come into something difficult and you're going to say, joy, you're going to be happy about it. And so we're going to talk about how that works next week. Good stuff. Good stuff. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for uh, everybody here today, for those watching on live feed. I thank you for that technology to bring those people here and to bring us there, to bring your very presence in their rooms. And God, we just give you glory and honor and praise today. God, I pray that uh, you would move among us today and that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, uh, before I get into my message, I just... This morning, as we sang the song, I was really impressed with the idea of kingdom this morning. The idea of kingdom this morning, when we have to understand the kingdom of God, right? And so when they arrested Jesus and when Pilate was questioning him, he said, are you a king? And he said, I am. He said, my kingdom is not of this world or else my people, my, my followers, my disciples, they would fight for me but now my kingdom is not from here. And repeatedly throughout Jesus's wanderings, actually the very, the very first thing he said was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here and it's within your grasp. That hasn't changed. It's the same today. The kingdom of God, this has nothing to do with the message. The kingdom of God is right here. It's within your grasp. But we have to learn how to live from this place of the kingdom, of the spirit, of the supernatural. If we don't live from this, Jesus said, my kingdom's not from here. It's not a natural kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. The disciples, the, the Pharisees, they kept looking for something in the natural to change, for Jesus to bring a natural governmental solution to the problem of the day. And Jesus said, no, that's not the way it goes. This is a spiritual kingdom. And the good news is that the spirit has effect over the natural. The spirit kingdom affects everything that we see in the natural, but we've got to learn to live from there and we've got to learn to rule from there because that's what we're called to as Christians. We're called to rule from this place of authority in the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual kingdom. All right. That was good. Man. Let's go. Man, that was, that's good stuff, guys. Now, the difficult part is how do we walk that out? Well, the first thing, the first thing, one of the first things we got to do is we've got to realize who we are. It wasn't an intro. It was actually a little just side item, but 
It's a good intro. We've got to realize who we are. <laughs> we can't live from that kingdom if we don't realize that we're part of that kingdom. And we can't live from that kingdom if we don't understand what God says about us. We have to know what God says about us, who you say I am, who God says I am. What God says I am is way more important than what anybody else thinks. Let's go back to, that's not, wait, oh, I didn't put in a title, I didn't put in a title screen. The title of today's message is, uh, I got to check, confusing myself. What is man? That's the title of today's message. What is man? No title screen. Ecclesiastes 7.21, we can jump right into the message. Ecclesiastes 7.21 says, Do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also you, you, your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. And so we need to not take to heart everything that people say. We've talked about this in weeks past. But we need to value what God says about us more than what we value any, what anybody else says about us. When I was in um, junior high, my hair was, I, I had a lot more of it back then. And it was, it was greasy. If I would go two days without showering, my hair would get very greasy. And so kids would tease me because my hair was greasy. And so, right, so somebody's going to say something, right? And so we have to evaluate that. Now, I wasn't mature enough to, at the time to evaluate that. And so that you know, may or may not have been baggage in my life, probably wasn't. Um, but anyways, if it, if it was, it could have been, right? But what I need to do, what I need, what we all need to learn to do is we need to learn to take the truth out of what they're saying and we need to ignore the negative spirit in which they're saying it because they weren't nice about the fact that my hair was greasy. They were teasing me about the fact that my hair was greasy. And so we need to ignore the fact that my hair is greasy and realize, hey, I should probably shower more often. Listen, I'm giving, this, is, this should not be insight. This is not insight for anybody that has had a preteen boy in their house. They all need to shower more. All you need to do is go on one youth conference uh, to understand that young men need to shower more. It's just, it's just the truth. You know, truth isn't truth unless it's true for everybody. This is truth. It's true for everybody. They all need to, except for my son. He showered twice a day, three times a day sometimes. It wasn't truth for him. Okay, I just corrected myself. All right, on, on with the message. Do not take to heart everything that people say. We have got to learn to extract the truth from what people are saying and ignore the attitude in which they say it. Listen, if we can't handle criticism, you will not do well with compliment. If someone criticizes you and, it's, and, it's, and, and it really affects you, the same thing is going to happen with compliment. You're like, yeah, so? Well, let me say it this way. If criticism hurts you, compliment will kill you. If criticism hurts you, compliment will kill you. It'll kill you. It will kill you. Why? Because compliment has the ability to build up pride in us. And what is pride? Pride leads to sin. What is sin? Sin leads to death. And so if criticism hurts us, 
then compliment can kill us. If we allow words to tear us down, then those opposite words, the positive words, have the ability to build us up. We have to not take to heart everything people say. We can judge, we should judge what they say, and we should determine whether or not there's any truth in what they say. We should take action accordingly. I can shower more so that my hair is not greasy. I don't have that problem today. My hair is not greasy at all. I put conditioner in it now. But we can't let those words that people say get into our heart and affect us and believe that that's who we are. Yeah. We can't let who we are be defined by what people say about us. Genesis 3.11, we talked about this too. And so in some ways, it's a little bit of review. God said to Adam, he said, who told you that? Adam believed something about himself. Adam believed a lie about himself. And so he hid. It actually may have been true, but he hid he had truth outside of relationship. And so he didn't understand the knowledge. He didn't understand how to apply what he had gone through. And so he tells God something that he knew about himself. And God said, who told you that? And so anytime we hear a word, anytime someone speaks something to us, we need to ask ourselves, who told us that? Who told me that? You're getting on the scale in the morning. I don't, we don't, for, for years, uh, for like 10 years, we didn't even have a scale in our house. You get on the scale in the morning, you're like, I'm fat. Who told you that? You haven't even seen the number yet. The number goes up two points. You're like, I'm fat. Who told you that? <laughs> Who told you that? Is there any truth to that? What did God say about you? He said you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are mysteriously complex. Praise the Lord. We need to take every thought captive. Bible tells us to take every thought captive. That means thoughts about yourself too. Yeah, we need to think properly about who we are. We need to think the way about ourselves, the way God thinks about us. I want to read Psalm 8, right? To the title of today's message is, what is man? What is man? Psalm 8, what is man that you are mindful of him? And so I want to begin with New King James. We're going to read it out of the New Passion Translation too. O Lord, our Lord, starting in verse 1, Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. The, the Hebrew word there is Elohim. We're going to look at this when we, talk, when we read through the, the Passion Translation. The actual Hebrew word there doesn't translate to angels. It's Elohim. It's the, actually, it's the exact same word that's used for, uh, uh, for God in Genesis 1.8. And it's the creative God. God has made you a little bit lower than Elohim, the God who creates. Who am I? God, what is man? What are you talking about? And you have crowned him with glory and honor. Glory and honor for me or for you, it's God's idea. 
God crowned us with glory and honor. Glory and honor is his idea. It's not my idea. It's not the world's idea. It's not man's idea. This is God's idea. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, the whole earth. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. What is man? The the moon and the stars. So we're going to read out of Psalm 139 after this one. And it talks about the sands of the sea. So I have read a very... So I'm, I'm Googling... Uh, I went on and I was researching um, how many sand, how much sand there is in the world. And there's a very interesting question uh, that I rolled upon. And this was uh, done by a doctorate level mathematician. And so they asked the question, they said, are there more stars in the sky or is there more sand? And so then he's like, okay, so are we saying more sand in the sea, more sand on a beach? or more sand in the earth. And so then he went into this, like literally, I don't know how many pages it was, but I read for quite some time. It was fascinating. And so they said with the deep space Hubble telescope, right? This huge, 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 huge telescope that sees so deep into space. They said that there's a trillion galaxies like the Milky Way galaxy. We're in the Milky Way galaxy. There's something like, I don't know, 500 billion stars. You can't even begin to wrap your mind around these numbers. 500 billion stars times a trillion, because there's a trillion galaxies. What is that? What is that? And so they actually did the math, and it's, it's um, um, I, what was it, nine sextillion? Sextillion's a, uh, right, million, b- million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion, sextillion, right? So it's a, it's a nine. It would be a nine with 23 zeros after it. Good Lord. That's the number of stars in the sky. Then they said, how much sand is in the sea? Or how much sand? Okay, and so let's just start with one cubic foot of sand. One cubic foot of sand has, I got to actually go forward. One, I, I should not be talking about this yet, but that's okay. We'll adjust. One cubic foot of sand has a billion grains of sand. One foot by one foot by one foot, a billion. Just to give you an idea, if this room was full of sand one foot deep, you'd have three trillion grains of sand in this one room. Three trillion. So next time you walk on a beach. And so this guy was saying, so he started out the whole thing by saying, everything we're going to talk about is a random guess. Like fill a jar with M&Ms and guess how many are in there. And that's how we're doing this math. Because as much as we think we can see, we can't see anything. And so then he did a calculation. He said, if you wanted to have enough sand to equal the number of stars, that nine, six trillion, right? He said, you'd have to have a piece of sand that's two-thirds of a mile by two-thirds of a mile by two-thirds of a mile. Well, there's that much sand on the earth. Yeah, easy. I mean, that's, you just take the coast of California and we're there. 
I mean, you get that much sand, right? That's not even counting all the sand that's in the bottom of the ocean or in or the rest of, or the Atlantic or the Mojave Desert or all these other deserts, you know, or all, all the earth combined. I mean, the earth, honestly, guys, the dirt that you walk on outside, the dirt that your house sits on is made of sand, silt, and clay. And so the whole earth is sand. And so how big's the planet? There's way more sand on the earth than there are. And so that's the answer. <laughs> Very interesting. I thought that was fun. Anyways. Back to what God says about us. These are important things to know because we read things like, God, you made the stars. There's, a, there's nine, six trillion stars if what the deep space Hubble telescope tells us is true. And God thinks about you. Me. You're more important. Psalm 8 from the Passion Translation. Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your splendor, your glorious majesty streams from the heavens, filling the earth with fame of your name. You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up from the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Woo! Praise the Lord. And it says the same thing in the King James, right? that you may silence the foe and the avenger, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Worship has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Listen, you start hearing the lies about you're not good enough. You can never do that. You can never, you could never, you could never. Put on some worship music and start praising God and shut the mouth of the enemy. Come on, sometimes we just need to get up and get active and do something so we can shut the enemy up. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. <laughs> Man, this is good stuff, guys. Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like the jewels in their settings, I know that you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. God's a fascinating artist. We are created in his likeness and his image. All five-year-olds are artists. And half of you are like, I'm terrible at drawing. Who told you that? Listen, have you seen Picasso's work? I'm not taking shots at Picasso. I'm just saying we need to get out of the box of the idea of what is and what isn't good art, good work. I'm an artist in my own right. I'm not prideful when I say that, but I know that God's an artist and I know that I'm created in his likeness. And if God's an artist, then I'm an artist. I may not be able to draw, but I can plant bushes in such a fashion that it looks beautiful. That may be my art ability. It may be something else. You're an artist. You're all artists. Get painting. Maybe not with paintbrushes. Maybe, I don't know. But when I look up and see such wonder and workmanship above, I have to ask you this question. Compared to all of this cosmic glory, why would you bother with puny mortal man or be infatuated with Adam's sons? Yet what honor you have given to men, created only a little lower than Elohim, crowned like the kings and queens with glory and magnificence, 
You have delegated to them mastery over all you have made, making even subservient to their authority, placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. All the created order and every, every living thing of the earth, the sky and the sea, the wild beasts and the sea creatures, everything is in submission to Adam's sons. Lord, your name is so, power, so great and powerful. People everywhere see your majesty. What glory streams from the heavens, filling the earth with the fame of your name. Glory to God. God, what is man that you are mindful of him? Don't you know how many stars there are in the sky? Don't you know how, many, how much sand there is in the sea? Psalm 139. Stay. Oh, Lord, this is a great scripture. Listen, every, every emotion that you'll ever deal with is in Psalms. Psalms talks about depression. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope thou in God, for you shall yet praise him. Every, every, every emotion that you could ever have, you're feeling down, start reading Psalms until you feel better. Because you will. You will feel better. Why? Because God designed it that way. He wrote it that way. He's going to cover everything you're ever going to go through right here. Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. God knows you. God knows you. God has searched you. He searched you, he searched you, and he knows you. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. God, God knows your thoughts. You comprehend my path, my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. God knows what we speak before we even speak it. You have hedged me behind and before. Wait until we read that in the Passion Translation. You laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? You can't. You can't get away from God. He's always with you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that God's always with us. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, Sheol with the dead, actually not hell. Behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the other post parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand you shall hold me. If I say, surely the, sh the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. Listen, if God were to show up in the midst of utter darkness, it would shine like the brightness of day. It says of Revelation, it says that when God, when we see God in his floor, glory, it'll, it'll cause the sun to be darkened. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine. I mean, I can't even look at the sun. When it's bright out, I mean, you know, you got to squint and wear sunglasses. And God's going to make that dark. Where was I? darkness. There you go. Okay. For you formed my innermost parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You're wonderful. You're fantastic. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was wrought together in the secret place and skillfully made in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written for me, the, day fashion, the days fashioned for me, when there was as yet none of them. God wrote books about your life. He said, you're special. He gave you plans and purpose. 
pray and ask God, God, what's the next chapter of my life? He'll answer you. He'll tell you. Seventeen, how precious also are your thoughts to me. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. We already talked about the sand. If we fill this room with sand at one foot deep, we know that there would be three trillion grains of sand in this room. One foot deep. That's not even all the sand. That's not, right? New King James says the sand. Doesn't say the sand of the sea. Doesn't say the sand on this beach. It doesn't say the sand. Of the, it says the sand. That means the sand of all the earth. We already talked about how much stupid sand there is in the earth. But sand can be, uh, but, but if we just think about the fact that if we was three trillion grains of sand here, right? Now, understand that if you were to live to 100 years old, you were to live to 100 years old, you would be living for 3 billion seconds. <laughs> you guys aren't there yet. If we add you guys up, you're there. But that's, that doesn't count. 3 billion seconds. 3 billion, it, just the sand in this room, one foot deep, 3 trillion. So what does that mean? It means that if God's thoughts towards me are more than the sand, then he's thinking about me more than 1,000 times per second. Guys, a thousand thoughts, a thousand thoughts, a thousand thoughts, a thousand thoughts, a thousand thoughts about each one of you individually. How can God do that? Because he's God. Don't make God too small. Don't limit what God can do. He can do this and he does do this. And it's actually way more than that. If it's the sand of the earth, it's way more than three trillion I mean, three trillion doesn't even touch it. We, we're up at nine sextillion. And we're like, yeah, there's way more uh, sand on the earth than there is stars in the sky. They didn't even finish calculating how much sand they thought was on the earth. And God thinks about you more than the sand. Stop. <laughs> All right. So if we view this, if we view this context, if we remove all of the math, and with science that we know today, and we just view this in hyperbole, right? And we say there's a lot of sand, and God thinks me of me more than the sand. Well, that's fine. He's still thinking about me all the time. He is consumed with you. <laughs> this is great. What, which one am I on? I think I'm on this one. I think we finished yet. Okay. How precious are your thoughts to me? How great is the sum of them? If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. The next time you read that, look, just underline it. Put stars next to it. Just write something down and be like, I can't calculate this because you can't. God thinks about me all the time. So the next time you come by and you read, read through this, you're like, man, God thinks about me all the time. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God, depart from me. Therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who you hate? And do I not loathe those who you rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Listen, search me, O God, and know my heart. God has the ability to search you and know your heart. Try me and know my anxieties. God knows what stresses you out, guys. God knows everything. He knows what's stressing you out. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
And so why is that there that God knows my anxieties? Because he's ready to deal with them in a moment's notice. All we got to do is ask, ask God for help. First Peter tells us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. And so if we're anxious, we cast our cares upon him. God, I'm really concerned about this. And God speaks to you and speaks to your heart sometimes. Sometimes we'll hear, sometimes we'll sense, but sometimes it's just a peace in our heart. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives peace do I give peace, but as my Father gives peace, I'm giving you peace. It's the peace of God. The peace of God that passes all understanding. And how many of you know Philippians 1.8, the peace of God that passes all understanding? How many of you know that in order to gain the peace that passes understanding, sometimes we have to let go of our right to understand? Because we can't at the same time hold on to our right to understand and, the peace, and receive the peace that passes understanding. We can't be in that place. If we want the peace that passes understanding, we have to stop trying to understand. You'll never understand everything. I'll never understand everything. I'll never, un- actually, honestly, guys, the more I read and the more I know, the less I understand. And I'm okay with that. You know why I understand less? Because we just talked about sand. And I feel stupid. And I feel powerless compared to God, which I am, because he thinks about me more than the sand of the sea. And so we're trying to wrap our mind around that, and we're like, it's getting worse. Say something good. That is good news. Because we, we, just, we come to a point where we're like, it just doesn't make sense anymore, but I know God is good. I know he thinks about me. I know he loves me. My thoughts don't have to make sense. The world doesn't have to make sense. The world's never going to make sense. (sighs) Glory to God. We still have to read this out of passion. Okay. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God will lead you in the way that brings life. Glory to God. I'm going to skip reading this out of the Passion Translation. It's good stuff, but we'll just keep moving. It's good. If you get a chance today, look it up. If you have version, you can get the Passion Translation on version. if you don't have a hard copy. Oh, Lord. John 17, 20 through 21. Jesus said, I do not pray for these alone. He's talking about his disciples who are seated around him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, through the apostles' word. And so that's us, guys. That's all of us. Jesus is referring to the, not only the disciples, but he's talking about all of us. For those who will believe in me through their word, that's us, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. What do we know about ourselves because of this scripture? This is what, this is the what, guy, this, this is the way I read scripture. I read the scripture and I'm like, what do I now know because of this scripture? Here's what we know. That God's desire, Jesus' desire, Jesus is God, God is God, Father's God, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That God desires for us to be one with him. That's God's desire. You guys don't seem so excited. I mean, this is a pretty big deal. The God who created six sextillion stars, nine sextillion stars, I don't know what. That God wants to be one 
with you. He, he wants you to be in intimate relationship with him to the point where you're thinking the same thoughts that he would think. God who created the universe and the sand of the sea and the earth and everything and this fish that soon through the... This is why we read Psalm 8 and Psalm 139. This God who did the impossible wants you to partner with him, to be in relationship with him so that you can do the impossible too. Scripture possible. It becomes possible when we know him. Last week, I want to clarify. Last week we were talking about the uh, sovereignty of God. We were talking about the omniscience of God, the omnipotence of God, and the, what did I say? Omniscience, omnipresence, and there's one more, omnipotence, right? We were talking about those three last week, and that means that God is all-knowing, he's everywhere all at the same time, and he's all-powerful. And I said that he would share that with you. Okay, hold up, right? That's what I said last week. Don't, do, okay. 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 Listen, we have to, I know guys, I got to just back up because there's certain uncommunicable traits of God. And those three are uncommunicable. What does that mean? It means that God can't give you those things. He can't give you omnipotence, which means you have all power. He won't give you that apart from relationship. You will never be omniscient. You will never be all knowing. You will never be, wait, omniscient is, um, everywhere all at the same time. You will never be everywhere all at the same time. Only God can do that. <laughs> you will never be, what's the last one? Omnipotent. No, that, omniscient. That's it, omniscient, thank you. That's all, all what am I on? All-knowing. You'll never be all-knowing, right? You can't do that. That's God. We just talked about the sand and we got confused. <laughs> you will never be all-knowing. But what God will do is he will share with you power and knowledge and wherever it is that you are or wherever it is that you need to be, he'll be there. And God will share that with you as you need it to do impossible things. Where our resources end, God's resources begin. And God wants us to be one with him. God, this is, guys, this is great news. He wants us to be one with him in that kind of a relationship so that we can live from the kingdom and bring heaven to earth. Bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. This is our mission. This is our mandate. This is what Jesus said in the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, our, our assignment until we get another one is to bring heaven to earth. Discover what heaven looks like. Discover what heaven is like. Get it and then deliver it to the earth. Simple. Let's go do it. Luke 24, 49. How do we do it? Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. How do we do it? We only do it by the Holy Spirit. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a mission impossible. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to take and bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. This message will self-destruct in 34 seconds. I don't know how long it is. I don't watch the movie. That, three, four seconds? Three seconds? Does he have three seconds to throw them? But it's mission impossible. 
but it becomes possible because God sends his Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Listen, guys, you have to have the Holy Spirit inside of you, willing and working and on you working. There's the Holy Spirit in you and there's the Holy Spirit on you. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in us and that's for sanctification. But when we see Jesus at the being baptized by John the Baptist, it said the, this Holy Spirit descended from heaven like a dove and rested upon him. In the Old Testament, it talked about the Old Testament prophets and it said the, the Holy Spirit was upon them. And so we see there's a difference. There's the Holy Spirit in us and there's the Holy Spirit on us. The Holy Spirit in us is for us. It's for our sanctification. It's for our beautification. It's for us to be renewed. But the Holy Spirit upon us is so that we can minister to others. We have both. We can have both. The Spirit in us comes when we bow our knee to Christ and say, yes, God, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. The Holy Spirit comes upon us when we ask and we receive it from God. It's all by grace. It's from him. It's good stuff. I see you writing notes. I'm encouraged. See, some preachers really like to have a good response. Amen, pastor. That's a good word. I like that. We don't really get that a lot here. But I get my encouragement because I look around and I see somebody like, oh, what did he just say? I'll write that down. And I see it. I see the notebooks out. I see the pens moving. And some of you are just absorbing it. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Jesus, give us your Holy Spirit in a new dimension, even more. We need more of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit until it flows out of our bellies like rivers of living water, the Bible tells us. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to camp. This is the level of the Holy Spirit that I will accept and nothing less. Rivers of living water flowing out of me. I therefore beseech you. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. With all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul says, I beseech you. He's basically saying, I'm begging you. Please, for the love of God. No, he wouldn't say that. Walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. You were not called to a kingdom, a natural kingdom. You were not called to just come and warm a a church pew on Sunday or a cushy seat, whatever we have here. That's not your calling. Your calling isn't to just come and show up on Sundays and listen to me. Your calling isn't to just be a bench warmer in in the army of Christ. Your call is to go out and to do what God has given you to do. God's given you every single one of you. God's given every single one of you an assignment. Paul says, I'm begging you guys. Walk worthy of the assignment that God has given you. You've been called. God doesn't call people for nothing. He doesn't say, hey, come on into the kingdom. All right, yeah, you, you get to sit there. No. Come on, come on into the kingdom. Okay, yeah, okay, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. 
We work together in the kingdom. It's a body. The body functions when we're all working together. We have the signups. Sign up. If you don't know what to do, just pick a box. Like close your eyes and just do it. You're going to find out really quickly what God hasn't called you to do. (laughs) That's okay. At least you have some knowledge. Put that knowledge to work and go do something else. Next. 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 Sign up for the worship team. Can't carry a tune. Okay, next. (laughs) Oh, Lord. There is a call of God upon your life. There is a plan and a purpose for your life. We, as the body of Christ, we need to get up. We need to just shake it off. We need to just go for broke. This is the church's finest hour. We are in the church's finest hours. It says in the last days, thousands, millions, there will be unheard of numbers of people coming to Christ. We need to be ready. We need to be ready to the point where you're all pastors and you're ready to pastor because when this church goes from 100 to 10,000, you're all going to have to pastor. I can't talk to that many people every week myself. It's up to you. It's up to you. Amen? Come on, it's good stuff. Hey, listen, if you're here today and you hear me talking about this relationship with Jesus and you've never made a decision to follow Christ today, I want to invite you to do that today. This is a decision that everyone in this, most people in this room have made. I made this decision 28 years ago to follow Christ. I had grown up all my life going to a denominational church and I never knew God. I never knew God. I never knew anything about him. I knew him from a distance. And when I came here for the first time, I was like, wow, this place is really different. Wow, these people really know God. And that's the secret, guys, is that we get to know God. We get to know who he is intimately. And so I bowed my knees and I surrendered to Jesus Christ and I made him Lord of my life. And I'm inviting you to do that today. If you want to have that relationship with God, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come and live inside my heart and help me to live for you all of the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to do something for me. I want you to check on your Engage card. It says, today I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If that's you, you just prayed that prayer, check that box. If you're watching online with us and you just prayed that prayer, send me an email at info at redeeminglovechurch.org. I will send you some information to explain what that decision means and what your next steps are in following Christ. And so your very first step is to find a good church to be able to belong to. And uh, we would love to have you here. Uh, But if you're not close enough, then find another church that you can get in on. Because fellowship is one of the first key things that you need. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for this series. God, we thank you that you love us beyond what we could ever know. And God, we thank you that you show us your love more and more. And God, we pray that uh, the love that you love us, the love that with which you love us, God, God, that we would love others with that love. And God, we just pray your blessing over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.